0: to another hour of the Deacons' Roundtable here at WSFI FM 88.5 on your dial. I'm here with uh, Deacon Richard Hudzik, the Vicar of Deacons for the Archdiocese of Chicago, Mike Alandi from St. Mary of the Annunciation, and Dave Egan from Victory Lakes Community. And I am Greg Webster, the moderator here from St. Raphael the Archangel in Old Mill Creek, Illinois. And we're also uh, very fortunate today to have, have on our... Uh, Deacon Hotline here, the uh, Deacon Joe Winblad and Deacon John Vidmar, who uh, who are joining us from Lamont, Illinois, at Saint Mary's Retreat House. Uh, being in that, uh, we are in a a holiday season for the, for a while, uh, and a giving season. We thought we would start a little bit with uh, what are the charities run with uh, in the coordination with the Archdiocese of Chicago. The Deacons of the Archdiocese of Chicago, hopes on the way, and I was wondering if uh, uh, uh Deacon Richard here would, would give us a little background and, and introduce our our be our guests here.
1: Okay, I'd be happy to. Um we've got uh as you said, Deacon Joe Winblad, uh Deacon John Vidmar, who are two of the cast of characters uh who staff the Hopes on the Way project. It's a project started uh a number of years ago. I think uh the Deacon Sal Lima was uh uh instrumental in beginning that. And what hopes on the way is uh, is a hands-on? What do they call themselves? A second responder, third responder? Said after second the responder, second responder um, uh, that after the initial disaster of uh, hurricane or flood or uh, other kind of disaster, the uh, hopes on the way uh, responds through. Uh, rehabilitation repair or uh, the latest project is the the buckets of hope which is a really novel idea and I'll, I'll defer to Joe and to John to talk about that but uh, we're very proud of them um, it's uh, it's unique, and it's, it's, it's uniquely diaconate, because it's, it's, it's being the servant. It's not looking for the limelight. Uh, it's, it's very humble and, and modest service, but it's, it's very important and vital service.
0: So, Joe and John, well, could you tell us, uh, how did you get involved in this, uh, this group? Essentially, uh,
2: Sal Lima, who worked for the Carmelites, had a contact with the Carmelite sisters in New Orleans, who were flooded out and six deacons we went down to uh, Sal and I went down initially to assess the situation we came back and we got six volunteers this and is after, actually, after Katrina. they had the print shop in their garage which was totally flooded out so when we got there it had been gutted and they asked us to drive put in the electrical lights and the conduit, uh, the conduit for the um, circuits, which we did. And then the contractor came in and made the official connection. Sorry. We did not make the official connection and the inspection. So in five days, we were able to everything, including the drywall, paint it. And as we handed the keys to sister Camille, we called her the general because every day when we weren't there, she came and checked on what had been done. <laughs> but we gave her the keys, and they were able to start the following week with their print shop, printing the materials for the high school and for the sisters throughout uh, New Orleans, the congregation. Uh, it also provided the man who ran the print shop um, economic income for his family because he, on the side— He also ran a printing aspect of the business for his own income. So that was our initial start, start, uh, 206-207, I believe. And then from there, we made 11 more mission trips to New Orleans and the New Orleans area, working with Catholic Charities, working with UMCOR, which is the United uh, Methodist Response. And um, we even worked with... um, a couple of Baptist churches that uh, their pastors asked that uh, they rehab uh, the living accommodation so he could get back in to meet in his parish. So it's been a very economic, ecumenical effort on our part. Uh, fund donations. We have no uh, set budget, only from donations, and then we try to operate our mission out of that. And I'll let John speak about uh, his impressions. Well, before yeah, before we get three. that,
0: before we go there, if go you ahead. will, um, what are some of the other locations you've gone to? I know you've gone to Missouri, you've gone to New Jersey. Where else, What are some of the places that that hopes on the way has has taken the, your uh, missionary work, for last of a, lack of a better term, your charity work too?
2: Well, yeah, the, the mission trips were primarily to New Orleans and Louisiana area but also Alabama, um, New, uh, uh, New Jersey was a trip, and uh, the last one in Illinois was Washington where we built uh, sheds for the people who had um, was destroyed and they were in the process of rebuilding, but they were on site and they had no place to accommodate tools or anything that they might want to have there. So the Presbyterian group um, were providing the plans and the location, and we went down and stayed uh, on two occasions where we built with five sheds.
3: in the Seven sheds. Seven sheds, yep. Yeah, The let me add, Dick said something which was very interesting. He, he called us a cast of characters, and it's true, we, we cast our, our nets very broadly. This is not just a diaconate ministry, it's diaconate-led, but very much... Uh, it is, present, is the presence of laity. And so about half the people when we go to job sites are lay people that, that we've recruited from around the archdiocese. So that's one point that's critical to understand this is not just deacons getting involved with the laity to do things which are of service. Uh, but the second thing is that Cardinal George back about five, six years ago came to us and he said, you know, there are disasters within the archdiocese. You don't have to go outside the the limits of the archdiocese to find places of need where there's ministry, where people don't have money to fix things. And so we've been very actively involved in a number of charities, which are critical parts of not just Catholic charities, but other ministries within the archdiocese, think some of the religious orders. And we've taken on major rebuilding tasks there as well.
0: And how how do these orders and ministries how do they find you to request uh, your services?
3: The three of them are are things that we've actively supported. One of them is, uh, is a, a very critical mission of Bishop Perry, and that's Zacchaeus House. You know, for years we've been involved in rebuilding this this house, which is a halfway house for men who have been released from jail or which who are homeless. Uh, the uh, second ministry that we've been involved in very heavily is is Emmaus Ministries, which is one of our own men, John Green, back, what, about 15 years ago, Joe? 15, yeah. yeah, he started an outreach program to gay prostitutes, and so what we've done is helped rebuild and build uh, counseling centers. So they've purchased buildings, and we've gone in there and helped uh, remodel them to make them appropriate for counseling. And the third third ministry is something which is uh, Aid for Women, which is tangentially connected to Catholic charities, but for some legal reasons operates on its own. Um, We managed to get a hold of them through actually our vicar. Um, De Hutzik sat on their board for quite a while, and he got us involved in helping rebuild one of their current ministry centers.
1: And I was on the board because it was founded uh, decades ago by one of our Chicago deacons.
0: And you guys also did some work at Stretch for a while, too, didn't they? Correct. Yes, we have. So
3: We're still doing work at Stretch.
0: So you, it sounds like you have a, a pretty good crew. Are you using the same group of guys? Are you recruiting new guys? Or uh, how does that work?
3: Yeah, a lot of times it depends on, on the skills that are needed. You know, if you take a look at right now, at Stretch, What we need is a, it's a lot of electrical work. Um, we've got some men in the community among the deacons as well as some of the men who are lay people or electricians who are doing that work. Other cases, we've had to do a lot of painting. And so we, we move people in and out. Right now here at St. Mary's Retreat House, we're doing a slow rebuild. And, and this particular facility is focused on 12-step programs, for mostly for substance abuse. And what we've done is we've gone into that And and done outreach with them to help bring them in to do some work, such as painting and cleaning floors, even helping us with some destruction. And new windows. We installed 79 new windows. The person who led the project, which is actually a recovering alcoholic, who has his own construction firm, who taught the rest of us how to do window installations.
0: It's all very cool. One of my favorite things you guys do is your Buckets of Hope program, which I think is is very cool, because it also reaches out into the various parishes, into the diocese to get them involved. Could you talk a little bit about how that came about and how that works?
2: Uh, That came about uh, through our experience down in New Orleans and really talking with the people of UMCOR, that's United Methodist Response, and they actually have a warehouse where they maintain the buckets. There's 14 cleaning items that are put into a five gallon tail, sealed, and they're ready to ship anytime there's a disaster. We have been really responding, not able to store until actually this year, we happen to have about 150, 160 buckets available. When on the Labor Day weekend, I saw a trailer with a sign saying, can you donate something down to Houston? So I spoke to the the lady who was sort of the ramrod for it, and she said, oh, we'll take your buckets. We'll deliver them down. There's a church in the suburbs that is distributing to the people there who need anything. They had water and they had uh, sanitary things. Uh, Supplies. So we actually came back, and two of her relatives came with their hands, and they loaded up the 160 buckets, I think, was the total number we got, and they shipped that down. Afterwards, I was able to contact Catholic Charities, and um, we sent another 200 buckets to Catholic Charities in Houston, their main warehouse. And that was through a, one of our parishioners who works in the transportation, more with the Allied-type van lines. So the um, there was no cost to us because it was deadheaded back to Houston. More recently, in connection with the International
3: Operating Engineers, operating
2: engineers we sent 30 buckets down about two weeks ago to be put on their container going to Puerto Rico. They're shipping generators and filtration kits, but there was room and they said that we could ship. We also were able to send another 200 buckets last Saturday. Allied Van Lines uh, deadheaded it into Jacksonville and keeping it in their warehouse till after Thanksgiving and a second container Operating Engineers is sending to Puerto Rico. Those buckets are going to be piggybacked on that container. Within the last week, uh, Deacon Ramon, who is down in Puerto Rico in the Western Diocese, he had met with the bishop, and the bishop said that hopes on the way would be great help, but we couldn't really help people in their homes yet. They're waiting for FEMA to evaluate the destruction before they will be eligible for funds. But the bishop has insurance and donations to repair church facilities. And that's where he's asking our help if we can get electricians, plumbers, landscapers, uh, Carpenters. carpenters, and concrete. So that's, we're hoping to do something in that. With uh, Deacon Ramon, who is on site right now, Uh, the western town of, um, I can spell it rather than pronounce it, M-A-Y-A-U-E-Z, is the town, and that's the diocese.
1: Mayaguez.
2: Okay, great.
4: So
2: Joe, uh, Joe, Ramon is on contact, and hopefully we're up here trying to get things organized. It's only two days into that um, effort. Of I know about it, but now we're trying to get it organized. So, yeah. our
3: plan there is probably going to be is to buy tools on site at a so Home Depot.
2: The bishop said yeah. he would buy material. He yeah. just wants the volunteers we'll get to leave it down there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Joe or John. On it this. looks like. Let me it I,
2: looks like to get, oh I'm sorry Greg. go
1: ahead. let me just let me ask a naive question about uh about the buckets of hope that'll give you uh, an opportunity to explain but the buckets of hope that's different from what you're talking about with uh, Puerto Rico uh in large part but those are actual cleaning supplies sponges sponges uh lysol uh detergents oh. soap. So' that's, that's very practical stuff. And a question that occurred to me when I first heard about this several years ago is, well what's, what's the point? Does't uh, I mean, doesn't home insurance provide this? or doesn't the government give this to these folks? Why? Why are you doing it?
0: You know, guys, I give you a, a little bit to think about that because we're we're starting to come up on a break, and I, and I would like to hear all about the buckets and tell our listeners who can't, who don't know a lot of the buckets, about uh, what exactly they are, how it works with the parishes to to help generate uh, generate these buckets. And I know at our parish St. Raphael, a very small parish. Um, people were really interested in helping with the buckets. They thought it was a a great idea and it was a great way to get people involved. So after our break, if you guys can stay on our Deacon Hotline here and uh, we'd like to ask you a few more questions about that if that works for you.
3: That's great. Okay,
0: you're listening to WSFI uh, W 88.5 on your FM dial or WSFICatholicRadio.org on the internet. We'll be back in a few minutes.
5: people in this country are hungry. Millions of people in this country don't have a home. Millions of people in this country don't have life-saving medicine. They don't have these common necessities simply because they are poor. For nearly 175 years, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul has been helping people in need one person at a time. And now you have a new way to assist those in need. The Society's National Vehicle Donation Program. The proceeds from the car or truck you donate will be used to buy food, shelter, and medicine for millions, and help pay for a wide range of programs, including care for the elderly and employment services. Your donated car or truck may even be used as much-needed transportation so people can work and support their families. Best of all, your contribution is tied directly to your area, helping someone in your city your neighborhood, maybe even someone you know. Want to make a difference? Call 800-322-8284.
4: Hello, I'm Bill Wennington from the Church of St. Mary's and the Chicago Bulls. I I believe Catholic radio is important for all of us out there listening to help us through days when maybe our faith is being challenged by many different obstacles that are put in our way and it's a chance to reflect and just think and hear stories from other people that maybe are going through the exact same issues that we are going through
3: and how they have struggled and how they are getting through their problems today.
6: Hello, I am Mark Schrout from the Salzman Library at the St. Francis de Sales Seminary. The Salzman Library is the seminary library, but is also the library for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. So, everybody is welcome. Our hours are Tuesdays and Thursdays, noon until 8. Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, 10 until 4. We have a large collection of Catholic materials, including things on the sacraments, things on the saints, church history, biblical studies, philosophy, other faith traditions, as well as a ever-expanding DVD and CD collection. So come in, get a card, we'll show you around. For more information, you can visit us at www.sfs.edu slash Salzman, and we hope to see you there. Thank you very much.
2: You got go?
3: Oh, you can join.
0: And we're back on WSFI 88.5 FM on your radio dial. We're talking to Deacon John Vidmar and Deacon Joe Winbled of uh, Hopes on the Way a charity based out of Lamont, Illinois and help, helped run by the Archdiocese the Deacons of the Archdiocese of Chicago and we're talking bef- uh, before our break we're talking about the B- Buckets of Hope program which I think is just a really neat program and I was wondering if you guys could uh, uh, talk about how the parishes are involved in this program and, and how it works because I think it's uh, as I was saying, I know it's St. Raphael a lot of people really thought it was a neat idea
3: We've reached out to uh, our fellow deacons uh, to try to get their parish organizations involved and the idea is for them to take twenty five or fifty buckets and then fill them so we give them a list of the fourteen items that go into each bucket and um, with in some parishes what they've decided to do is come together and fill these in a common area in other areas other areas what they've decided to do is go ahead and personally recruit people and say here's the bucket here's fourteen items." Come bring it back. What's been great about this program is that we've involved a lot of kids in schools, CCD programs, confirmation prep classes, so it's a great way for kids to get involved and, and spend some time doing something for somebody else.
0: And, and these buckets are big five-gallon pails, right? These are not just little ones. These large,
3: are the five-gallon pails, right, And then, which and makes an excellent. And you, use even after they're done with them, people get to use them for continue using them for cleaning right, once and they're done with
0: them. Right. You guys have have traditionally supplied the parishes with these pails and allowed them to to distribute the, the list that's on there. Do you, and could, again, could you go over a little bit on the list and, and what you don't want in those buckets?
3: Yeah, you're right on the first point. What we've done is raise the money to buy the buckets. Uh, the buckets, on average, cost about $4 a piece, and we usually try to buy them in increments of about 1000 Um By the time we're done filling the buckets, there's almost about another $25 worth of items in there, right, Joe? It's about 25 it's,
2: With the increase, it's about $3 more. $3 more. $3, $33 is running the items to, to fill the buckets. Some items are donated. Easily, others were short, clothes, clothes clothesline, and uh, sponges and work gloves. Those are the items that sometimes run a little more than a dollar, which we always thought between
3: a dollar and two dollars would be the average cost per item. Uh, You mentioned things we shouldn't have. Uh, One of the things, since we're using deadheads and not all of these, and people ask, what's a deadhead? This is a trucker who's running between two points who's got an, an empty trailer. And so what we do is we've recruited uh, guys who are running deadheads between two points mm-hmm. furniture and a lot of times they're furniture movers. Um, they're not classified, certified to do hazardous materials. Bleach for example, which is a common cleaning agent, is considered to be a hazardous material We you can't load bleach into these into these buckets. Common detergents are okay, bleach is not. Joe, what else do we have in the buckets? We've got gloves, we've got clothesline, we've got pins. We've got um, a scrub brush. scrub
0: brush. They're all things that can be really easily picked up at uh,
2: your diet in general. <laughs> a large sponge, a scrub brush, uh, scouring pads, which are uh, 4 by uh, 6.
3: um so, Greg, you're asking a question.
0: Okay. I, I said that. I remember when we, when we did it at St. Rayfield, we, we passed out a list. They all were items that they get, even had some of the particle, particle the part numbers uh, from dollar stores and things like that. So it's really making it a lot easier for people to donate. It's a great thing where you give your list to children and let them go through the store and try to pick up the stuff and get them involved. And uh, it's just it's just a neat idea, and, it, and it's things that in, in a crisis you don't think about. Uh, um, certainly they need food and they need cash, but uh, they got a mess to clean up too, and this is something that uh, that that really helps out, and it's uh, just a neat idea.
3: One of the things that we are taught in Deactive Formation is when people are in need, and whether this is whether there's a death in the family or a or destruction of a home or stuff. It's the simple things that help a person get through time and that's what these buckets are for. It's to get them started in the process of cleaning their homes. You asked before about why we do this. Doesn't insurance cover this? Well, fact of the matter is a lot of this destruction that we've seen in the last couple of years are in areas where there's no flood insurance and there's also a tremendous amount of poor. So the buckets that we sent to Baton Rouge, Louisiana last fall, for example, went to an area that had extreme poverty, and Catholic Charities made sure that the people that got them were really the people who needed it the most.
0: So, what would you guys say is your your biggest challenges right now when you when you're? going to visit a site or you're sending a site, What's some of the? we've heard some of the easy things that you do and some of the, the, the aspects of supporting people. What are some of the challenges you guys face as, as a uh, charity organization?
3: That's an interesting question if you take a look at um, A lot of times it's the simple things. Uh, so we identify an area that needs help. The next thing we have to do is identify just if we're going to send six people down to work for a week, we've got to find a place to be able to board. Uh, we need to figure out how we're going to feed ourselves. The last thing we want to do is be a burden to people who are local. The third thing is that we also, uh, this has become kind of a more current issue, is, is insurance. We need to make sure that we're when we're down on a job site like that, that we're covered with the appropriate insurance.
1: On that uh, topic.
3: Historically,
2: the- we were able... Through Umcor to pay ten dollars per day insurance for or ten dollars covered a volunteer for a week down and under Umcor's insurance. Thanks to Obamacare, that was no longer feasible. They no longer do it. So right now, our volunteers would not have uh, liability insurance. They have to rely on their own insurance, which we're very specific in explaining to them. But so I got to sign a waiver. Then yeah, a waiver.
1: Now, part of the history of Hopes on the Way and this topic of insurance is something that's uh, been uh, neuralgic uh, to use a, a word Cardinal George always used to use. Um, do you do you recollect the the history of that when in the early days of of Hopes on the Way and its efforts to procure its own coverage?
2: Yes, uh, one of the requirements for um, from the archdiocese was we had to rent vehicles, so we always rent Hertz
3: Uh,
4: um,
2: We rent vehicles, and the liability insurance is what is covered through the Archdiocese presently. It was a letter to Cardinal George where we were uncertain whether we could get any insurance through the Archdiocese, and the Cardinal said, he called up um, Sal one day, and he said, "Uh, this is the Cardinal, And, and Sal thought someone was pulling his leg, he said, what, and this is Cardinal George. I read your letter, and you're going to have insurance. And the next day, the uh, director of the insurance made a call, and everything was straightened out.
1: Yeah, I, I, I make mention, or I, I ask that leading question to uh, situate the work of Hopes on the Way theologically, that it's it's very much, I think, as, as also as Dave Egan was suggesting, it's, it's very much part of the diaconal identity. It's... Uh, it's not glorious, it's not uh, fame-producing, but it's tangible uh, accompaniments and direct material relief to to those who are struggling. And that's that's very much uh, what a deacon ought to be doing. And I think that's why Cardinal George said, uh, just effectively waved aside any uh, uh, bureaucratic opposition to uh, the insurance coverage, that if, if anybody should be doing this, deacons should be doing it, so... Go do it, and I, I, you know, I think we can relish that uh, that endorsement that he gave of this project uh, a number of years ago.
0: And I'd like to uh, actually take this time to talk to the WSFI listening audience out in our parishes. Here we have parishes uh, in Milwaukee and in McHenry counties. We have them in Lake County. You don't have to be just in Chicagoland area to 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 run a buckets of hope drive. Um, we're helping people throughout the world in this organization. So I think uh, if we can get some of our deacon brothers to to work with this organization and get some of the parishes groups throughout the WSFI listening area, have a bucket of hope drive. You know, give give. Uh, Joe or uh, John a call give me a call Um, we ran one at St. Raphael, it's not a lot of work to do but it sure does a lot of help uh, to get people to do it, it's a fun thing to do we can get the Catholic financial groups to get together and do something like that our Knights of Columbus groups, our altar and rosary societies, there there are tons of people out to do it and uh, as we've seen in in the Chicago Catholic and some of the the Deacon uh, newsletters what a great thing to do for religious ed kids to uh, get together and do it
1: and how do they get in touch with uh, with hopes on the way, John or uh, Joe?
2: Webs- well, uh, my uh, my phone number and uh, Ron Morzinski was really helping me with the buckets this time and last year. Our phone numbers are on a website with a list of the yeah. items.
1: And what's that website? And, uh,
2: Call to us. We can get the buckets distributed or delivered or hopefully
3: picked up. The website is www.hopesontheway.org. And Hopes on the Way is all one word. No apostrophe. Hopes on the Way.
0: And if you don't want to hold uh, a bucket drive, or uh, don't want to participate, with that um, this group will also take your cash donations, like all the other charities. But uh, they they will use it to uh, to fund these type of organizations, these, these groups as well.
3: Absolutely. So we'll take the money and either buy more buckets, or a lot of times what we've done is supplement parts of the items which uh, parish groups haven't been able to find at a good price.
0: So,
6: John, this is uh, Dave Egan. I have a, one of the questions as I'm sitting here listening to all the great work that you're doing. With, the, how, with this organization and the things that you've learned, can this be expanded to other dioceses across the country to allow a movement so that if there was a disaster anywhere in the country, there'd be supplies throughout the country and closer to different parts overseas?
3: That's our vision,
2: Dave. That's our vision, Dave. But here's what's happened. Sal Lima is the spark plug down in the Diocese of um, Phoenix. They have uh, their diaconate group has started the Buckets of Hope. They're going to start running it uh, probably by Thanksgiving. And they have involved um, St. Vincent de Paul delivery trucks, Catholic Charities has a warehouse uh, available, and they're doing it on a diocese basis based on the direct support of the bishop to the diaconate group uh, council there. So that's uh, an interesting approach that started this year. Also, um, Jim Jerevitis in St. Augustine, I talked to him the other day because we thought maybe there would be a need for buckets down in the area. And he said that uh, he would talk to a deacon in Miami. And it, within a couple of days, he said, I'm going to get back to you because he said, that's one thing that I was hoping to start with us in St. Augustine. So there are some seeds being planted and hopefully they'll be
3: fruitful. A lot of times when we've reached out to diocese, the first place we turn to is the diaconate office within the diocese to, get, to make contacts. And that's helped us in in most cases to be able to plant the buckets in areas that are are useful, but there's a larger vision the larger vision would be is to have hopes on the way as a as a national diaconate organization, so that when there is a disaster, we could reach out to help the local people and they could they could help manage the local organization of of just the simple things for example, help us find a place to to help organize place to stay and uh, feed the troops as they come running through to
6: Help the poor. That sounds great. It's like a good universal church example within our country.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so in two thousand, in two thousand and eighteen, what, uh, what? Do you have any local projects scheduled to uh, uh, be be around the uh, the area?
2: Well, presently, I think the focus is the greatest need is in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. and uh, Deacon Raymond plans to retire there in in March, so he'll be our contact on the ground. And I foresee that the bishop's request to rebuild the diocese facilities there might be our priority to encourage volunteers to participate. Well, I'm just talking about the some other of the local, thing.
0: things, local things, where some local groups, if they have a weekend, they could come out to help out with.
3: Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, one of the reasons for using St. Mary's Retreat House as a focal point for Buckets of Hope is that we do need a lot of labor just doing things like stacking buckets and and gathering them. And so that whole effort, we'd like to expand this out. We've relied very heavily on the five or six parishes that are within our cluster in the Lamont area to be able to just fill that particular need. The other thing is, is that we do have the other ongoing ministries uh, where there's always a need for aid for women in Zacchaeus' house and Emmaus' house, and so we encourage people to, if, if they've got the ability to volunteer, and you don't have to be uh, an electrician or a carpenter or a plumber, because we'll help train you to do things. Uh, oh, don't say your, that. My wife training. will send
0: me no. down there for training.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another thought is that uh, we've averaged each year to have between 8 and 10 parishes respond with Buckets of Hope. Many, through the uh, school or the religious education program, uh, get the children involved. And see, this is a very positive effort, and they're willing to help. So over over the years, I would say we get um, an average of about 7 to 10 parishes participating actively, not necessarily the same parishes each year, but a few have consistently each year, seeing this as very beneficial. St. Stephen, the deacon and martyr, has, uh, has no school, but they have a religious ed program with about 1,600 students. This year, they filled 30 buckets.
0: Well, that's very so, good. Oh,
2: that that was the most encouraging thing. That's Joe up and okay. Well, we're coming, it.
0: we're coming up on a, another break here. I'd like to thank Deacon Joe and Deacon John and the Hopes on the Way program. You can visit their website at hopes hopes uh, on the way dot. Uh, dot org and uh, come on, WSFI uh, listeners, let's let's go out there and give these guys a hand. They're doing some great stuff internationally, and and let's show them that uh, we're here to help, especially in this holiday season. So, Deacon Joe and uh, Deacon John, we'd like to wish you the best of the holiday season, and uh, thank you for joining us today.
2: All right,
0: thank, thank you. you. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. And we'll be
3: right back.
2: This is Sharon Brummer with Catholic Charities, serving people of all faiths in southeast Wisconsin. We provide human services from adoption and pregnancy support to counseling, outreach services for people in crisis situation, in-home support for older adults. Visit us online at ccmke.org for more information and for a site close to you.
6: That's ccmke.org.
0: And we're back on the Deacons' Roundtable at WSFI, FFM, FFM FM 88.5 on your FM dial or tuned in radio or however you're, you're uh, listening to us now. We thank you for joining us. Again, this is Greg Webster from St. Raphael, Dave Egan from Victory Lakes Senior Community, Deacon Richard Hudzik from the Archdiocese of Chicago, our our uh, vicar, and Mike Alondi from uh, St. Mary of the Annunciation, who's going to, Bring us up to date a little bit on, uh, I always say this wrong, so I'm not going to say it. So you say it, Mike, and, and introduce us to this wonderful Christmas uh, Advent uh, program that we have in the area.
4: Magandang pagbari sa edyog lahat. Ito po ang inyong deacon, Mike Alandi, ng St. Mary of the Annunciation. Pag-uusapan natin, alam po nyo, hindi nila ko naiintindihan, ang simbang gabi. I just... So everybody, uh, welcome and hello. We'll talk about simbang gabi. Okay, remember, two words. Simba Simba. is mass. Gabi is at night. Okay, so it's night mass.
0: It's also in the Lion King.
4: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) The accent is on the second syllable. (laughs) Okay. If for the second word gabi... You do it on the first syllable, it means a root crop like a potato. Kay? So you must remember to say simbang kabi.
0: You know, I'm a chemist. I'm used to only two letters. That's all we get for describing 103 things I work with. So you're going a little bit too detailed for me, but I'm sure our le- listening audience appreciates uh, the grammar lesson here. So uh, tell us a little bit about this, uh, this organization. How did it start, or what, what's going on in these, with this?
4: I've, I've been thinking how to describe it. Okay? And one of the ways I could approach this is you look at the tapestry and the Sibungabi is just one major thread. There's a whole Filipino culture around it. Uh, It starts, of course, with the Spanish. The Spanish colonized the Philippines for some 300 plus years. In fact, to be accurate, maybe about 455 years. It started in 1521. You may be familiar with Magellan, okay, And then you may be familiar, he got killed in the islands. okay, But they did baptize in 1521 a whole village of people. And they left the icon of the infant Jesus in that island. Then 45 years later, Miguel de Legazpi came back. And that's when the formal sort of effort to make the Philippines Catholic started and the Spanish passed on all these traditions and the Simpangabi Gabi is really not one mass but it is a series of nine masses it's a novena it's a Thanksgiving remember the Philippines is an archipelago they always say 7,000 islands but 50 Big, huge islands you can live in. And we get a lot of storms. We have a lot of problems. And Christmas is a good time to give Thanksgiving. And at the same time, because it's a novena, people come up with a supplication that if I can attend all nine, okay, that's the thinking, I can attend all nine Masses, okay, then the Lord may give me a particular wish I may have. However, the way we practice it here in in Chicago and the nearby areas is, we don't have the masses in one church. We spread them out, okay, towards several churches. For example, on December 15th, okay, and the Simbangabi runs from December 15th to the 23rd to make it nine days. On December 15th, you will have the Immaculate Conception Church, Our Lady Mother of the Church, Our Lady of Lourdes Church, Saint Damien, Saint Hubert, etc.
0: So these are all throughout the archdiocese.
4: All in the archdiocese, and right now I have the list in front of me. I failed to count it, but I'm really amazed at the number of churches participating here. Okay, excellent, excellent uh, number.
0: So wait, I- you, there's nine. You said there's nine days, and yeah, so do we have multiple Sambangabis going on in the diocese yes. that that are coordinated or somehow? Because you said all these parishes are more than nine here. The Jehovah's Witness thing, 666 thing going on here. In the beginning
4: it wasn't coordinated and people were doing it uh, on their own schedule, but through the Asian Catholic Initiative Office we now have a real good schedule for the nine days. And there could be 30 or 40 churches participating. Okay. And ask me questions. Ask me questions about Simbangami.
6: Well, one of the things that I um, know slightly from neighbors is that there's usually a big feast, a a feast of thanksgiving and joy Uh that is usually taking place after each of the masses. Uh Could you sort of
4: expound upon that? Yeah. One of the things you may not know is one of the longest Christmas celebrations is in the Philippines. We start in September, the bear months, and we finish by maybe third week of January. Okay. And then remember, in the nine days, in the novena, we are allowed to sing Christmas carols and the Gloria, and the vestments are white. But think about it. It's Advent. It should be purple. We should be restrained. But during the masses of the Simbang Gabi, no, it's supposed to be already Christmas. We're celebrating the coming of Jesus and venerating
1: Blessed Virgin Mary. So, I, I, I have a couple questions. Um, what are these done in English or Tagalog or both? I would prefer,
4: okay, that portions of it would always be in Filipino with uh, with English translations because there is a difference in taste. It's like if you're used to this, if you say good morning in English and you say magandang umaga in my language, there is a difference. And it's good to remind especially the Filipino audience of their heritage by putting in some of the Filipino or Tagalog uh, words.
1: Is, are those equi- are those synonymous, Filipino and Tagalog? Okay. Uh,
4: Fili- when we say Filipino, it's the, it means Tagalog. As a national language. Yes, synonymous. Yes.
1: Is the, this is sort of a social science uh, quiz for you, but is the, when you say Filipino, is that, is that a, a monolithic uh, culture that's, that's come to the United States, or are there different flavors, if you will, of, of, of Filipino culture that we might find in Chicago? Okay.
4: Well, that's a good, very good question. There are 110 different dialects, and if you jump from one island to the next, it's not guaranteed you would understand them. Mm-hmm. When I would travel, I'd use English by the time I get to the other island just to get my cab to get me to the hotel. Okay. So with those linguistic differences are differences in cuisine, a little differences in the way they deal with uh, with their families or, or certain values. But because Spanish... okay. The Spanish friars were so, were so vigilant in teaching us the Catholic faith. That made us, in a sense, monolithic. Okay, very much so. So when you say Simbang whether he speaks the 110th language or the first language, they know what it means. And together with the Simbang are a lot of other traditions in terms of food, what to sing, and what to do during the ber months from September all the way to January. And there are many types of celebrations.
1: What's your thought on, um, I, I speak not a word of Tagalog. Um, what's your thought on inviting, say, if we were to announce to the, the deacons of the archdiocese, come and, the, the non-Filipino, come to a Simbangabi novena. Is that, would that be good for us? Would that be an invitation that we should extend?
4: I think it's a very good uh, invitation for all uh one of the one of the thrusts that we have now in all the in all the novina group is to take in everybody okay regardless of your language or or your background because we feel as Filipinos that one of our gifts okay that's why we're spread all over the world more because of poverty is that it's our way of uh giving back okay what we have received in our country so i would i would encourage uh, all our deacon members and the wives go join the simbangabi begin to understand the custom and bring with you whether you're spanish whether you're european come join us we 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 want we want you to understand uh, our culture and maybe in that process we also begin to understand your culture and, and the culture we're prog- projecting here is not just any ethnic culture, we're really projecting a religious culture that was inculcated by us by the Spanish friars.
1: Do you have a sense of how large the Filipino community is in, say, the Archdiocese of Chicago or Northern Illinois?
4: I understand we're over half a million in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Okay.
1: Is there a way to characterize the stereotype generalized uh i don't know what the word is uh, but is there are there characteristics of a filipino religiosity that 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 is a gift that you would bring um to the church
4: what, one of the things you will notice with if you're in a simbangabi group is there are a lot of prayer groups in that church okay you'll have the prayer group for the Infant Jesus, you'll have a prayer group for the for Fatima. You'll have a prayer group for uh, the Our Lady of Victory, etc. Uh, there's a lot of those things, and and maybe very few deacons know about this. A lot of those prayer groups are meeting either weekly or biweekly, and they're meeting as a families and they're praying. Okay, in one of the groups I have the. Uh, the Santo Niño of Lake County they have asked me every week to be with them and to sort of expound on the gospel for the sunday and and they want they want to be able to ask questions not just listen to okay but to be able to ask questions about scripture and that seems to be characteristics of a lot of groups okay? and and it it's their way of contributing uh really really showing that. They are very faithful Catholics.
0: You, you were saying uh, Deacon Richard uh about other people going to it. Uh my family went to the the Sambungby at uh uh, St. Mary the Annunciation. You,
1: you went to the S- Gabi.
0: I went to someplace there. I went to St. Mary the Annunciation last December and I kept my mouth shut so they wouldn't know I didn't know how to pronounce anything. But uh, we were very welcome and the literature we could follow for the most part. And, and in fact, the pastor, who was not Filipino, presided uh, at the Mass and the food was outstanding. Did they have,
1: <laughs> have pancit? Yeah, Pansy is part of the tradition. I've got, I'll yeah. be there. Do, <laughs> do, do you do you know uh, do you know if this schedule of the masses is on the Archdiocese of Chicago website? Do you,
4: Go into the Ancient Catholic Initiative office, okay, of the uh, website of uh, the Archdiocese, and you will see all the churches and
0: the dates. Does each church have a menu for what they're going to serve that night, or is that? <laughs> the, What's
4: amazing is the the, the tradition holds true, okay? The only thing that's really difficult to make are those uh, rice cakes that you cook in bamboo tubes. More because we can't find bamboo tubes to cook them in. But all the others, you'll find them. As far as uh, inviting
6: people to the, the novena, that I know that at least in the parishes in the northern area of Lake County, a lot of the uh, bulletins will list where the masses are being held throughout. So they're, pe- they're very people are very inviting and welcoming to all of these, and so it's just a matter of putting forth the effort to do that to go to them.
0: Do they go cross diocese Will you list some of the? Pro- I mean, other programs you coordinate at all with the McHenry County or uh, Southern Milwaukee?
4: Right now, the Asian Catholic Initiative Office is seems to be limited to uh, Chicago and Lake County. We still have to expand it to other areas. That just just uh, one more word. I Googled okay, where Simbangabi is happening in the world about 10 years ago. okay, And I found them all over the world. And to me, I said, boy, that's the Holy Spirit at work. Okay, I found them in London, I found them in Africa, I found them in, in the Middle East. I said, the Middle East? Yes.
1: Well, you've got lots of uh, folks working in, in the Middle East, right?
4: Yeah. yeah, so God, in His wisdom, has used poverty, okay, to spread the word of God.
0: Are there particular dishes that are uh, more traditional for? Hey, it's, you know, it's we mean, it's food. It's important. That, are, well, uh, welcome at that time to the of
1: the Diakonat food show. <laughs>
4: <Okay. laughs> uh, Bibinka is one. Okay. See, see, see. Okay, that's <laughs> rice flour sprinkled with uh, brown sugar. The one I said was in bamboo shoots. is called puto bumbong. And then we drink it with tea, ginger tea, salabat, and with chocolate, thick, real thick Spanish chocolate. And, of course, you have your noodles. Angela's
0: coming already. I can see her yeah. go back there. She's <laughs> she's ready.
4: <laughs> and, and the families pride themselves in making these things. Okay. And everybody knows who makes the best chocolate. Everybody knows who makes the best uh uh, a rice cake.
1: Let let me let me ask a question. I hesitate to ask, but um, just call me naive. I'm asking this for some, for a friend of mine. <laughs> how how long uh, of an evening is it if Mass is at seven? When when do I expect to get back into my car?
4: The Mass will finish in about an hour, hour twenty, depending on the number of songs that the choir would sing. Because they do have traditional songs that they must sing at mass. Okay. Okay. And then it depends. And then the food. All, it depends also on who's giving the homily. Okay. Okay. But okay. well,
0: let's make sure we know the vicar of deacons does not leave right after communion. I don't. So I've, <laughs> I've, I've, no. I don't, I don't.
1: And then and then thereafter at each of these there's there's some uh, food. Is that?
4: Yes. Right after mass, then it's uh, open house. Okay. You
0: didn't give him a look when he said it. <laughs> Well, that's very cool, Mike. Uh, again, we uh, certainly encourage people to go and visit the, the celebration, which I'm not going to say again. <laughs> and uh, it is very cool. It's family-oriented. It's throughout the Archdiocese. We hope it's also in Milwaukee and, and uh, the other listening areas of, of WSFI. And uh, again, could you repeat the website that uh, people can go to find out more about it?
4: It's the uh, Asian Catholic Initiative Office. well
6: let's do a very fast closing prayer in the name of the father son holy spirit amen thanks god for all the gifts you've given us especially as we celebrate our friends and family over the holiday season and let us find you in each of them and give us the wisdom patience to be able to do that We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.
0: All right, this is WSFI 88.5, ending another Deacon's uh, Roundtable here. Thank you for listening.